Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Friday, February 10th, and welcome to Oh What a Week on the Ben Jarofsky Show, brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and every now and again, what kind of pots you can find at the dispensaries if you like that kind of thing. And columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky, so much more, Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. If you want to help the show and you want to help yourself, head on over to chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. There's lots of cool stuff there. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Does It Matter Friday? And here's what. Breaking news from WTTW. Breaking news. Uh, uh, uh. Paul Vallis does not live in the city of Chicago. Repeat, Paul Vallis does not live in the Chicago. All right, wait a minute. That may not be fair. Let me amend that. Paul Vallis may not live uh, in the city of Chicago. Now I'm going to play devil's advocate with you, ladies and gentlemen. Inside my brain, I'm going to pretend that, um, hmm, who is a centrist I know who likes Paul Vallis? PC, what's up, Peter Cunningham? I'm going to pretend I'm Peter Cunningham. And so I'll be playing in my brain as a centrist. Ben, what difference does it make? Okay, a lot of people don't live in Chicago. Valid point, PC. Again, you come up with a valid point. The difference is a lot of people aren't running for mayor city of Chicago and Paul Vallis is. And so you would think that, I don't know, it might be a good thing to live in the city that you're running for mayor in. Hmm. <laughs> I think even my centrist friends at this point may say that, yeah, might, may make the concession. That's a good point. Although I had a breakfast the other day with a, a dear friend who's moving into the centrist direction who is so stubborn. You could tell him the sky is blue. And he goes, well, I don't know. Yes, it looks a little gray to me. Anyway, back to the breaking story. I want to give a shout out to Heather Sharon and Paul uh, Parachutes who broke this story. It's a complicated story, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, everything is complicated. So then when, as soon as you, that is the saving grace for politicians. Everything they do is complicated. And so the public is always scratching its head, trying to keep up with the details. And after a while, they go, oh, I'm tired. Anyway, apparently Paul Vallis uh, has a home in Palos Heights or Palos Hills. I'm asking my distinguished guest which one it is. I apologize for not knowing the difference. I know that whichever one it is, uh, they send their children to Sandberg High School, Carl Sandberg High School. And uh, that's, that's what I know. But either Palos Heights or Palos Hills, a million apologies to everybody who lives in both of those towns. I know they're distinctly different from each other, even though... <laughs> If you have dyslexia, just try dealing with the difference between Palos Heights and Palos Hills. P-H, so there's really nothing you can do with the initials. Anyway, he's got a house in Palos Heights or Hills, wherever. But he's got an apartment in Bridgeport. You know what I'm saying? He's paying the, the Palos Heights or Hills address is in a lot of his documents. So it like looks like that's his legal address, but he claims it's not his legal address, that it's just the house he keeps for his mom who's sick and his wife lives there and it's, I don't know, leave me alone. <laughs> That's him saying that kind of like, it's like when they just throw all the details back, you just, just stop bothering me. But here's the point. Does it matter to Paul Vallis backers? I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to weigh in this a little bit in a little while. But here's the thing. See, follow me in this, folks. That could be a really, I don't know, bruising blow for a politician to deal with under normal circumstances. But we have long since left the planet known as normal. We are now in Trumpsville. And pretty much like anything goes in Trumpsville. And Paul Vallis 
is kind of out of Trump's though, ladies and gentlemen. Don't, I mean, let's be honest about this. He's the MAGA candidate in this race. Everybody knows it. The MAGA vote in Chicago is going to Paul Vallis. He's going to get at least 15% of the vote. That's the MAGA vote. You take a look at the 41st Ward. You take a look at the 19th Ward. You take a look at uh, the parts of the 13th Ward. You will see a strong vote for Paul Vallis, and you could correlate that vote with Donald Trump's vote. It's the MAGA vote. Stop denying it, people. Okay? And MAGA doesn't care if their candidates are, one, inconsistent, two, hypocritical, three, breaking the rules, four, bullies, meanies, whatever. In fact, all those things make them like them even more. <laughs> so, you know, MAGA doesn't care if Paul Vallis lives in Chicago or, you know, has an apartment in Bridgeport or a home in Palos Hills slash Palos Heights. They don't care. They don't care if he went to Sandberg High School or lives in Sandberg Village. How about that, huh, ladies and gentlemen? You didn't think I could pull that one off, huh? I had something, a Sandberg in the city and a Sandberg out of the city. My God, he knows Chicago. They don't care about that. He's their guy. They're going to vote for him. <laughs> That's all that matters. Open window, throw out all the old rules. Don't live in Chicago. And what the heck? Why not? I think MAGA would vote for Darren Bailey. Darren Bailey, of course. Y'all, you guys forgot about him. He was a Republican candidate for uh, governor in the last. Remember him? He's the one who said Chicago's a hellhole. A lot of similarities in the rhetoric between uh, Paul Vallis and Darren Bailey when it comes to describing Chicago. And now, by the way, Darren Bailey uh, lived in Chicago momentarily. Lived in the Hancock building, I want to say. And uh, for a brief time, he was like, going to see what it was like in Hellholeville. So who is more of a Chicago resident? This is a good question. Darren Bailey, who had a, a residence in the Hancock building, or Paul Vallis, who's got an apartment in Bridgeport? This is a discussion, a topic. This is a great topic of discussion. We could have a WTTW. We'd be sitting around a table, and Paul Parachutes would go, Ben, what's your thoughts on this? And then I would weigh in. And it would be a lot more articulate. I'd be wearing a tie, because that's what you do when you're a WTTW. I'm wearing a tie. And you like to pretend you play by certain rules of order. You're all civil and nice to each other as opposed to how we are in real life, elbowing, running over people, rhetorically speaking, metaphorically speaking. So anyway, yeah, this, this could be a knockout blow for most candidates, but I don't believe this will be a knockout blow for Paul Vallis. I believe it only enhances stature among his supporters because their attitude will be if WTTW is complaining about it or writing about it, then they are with Paul Vallis 100%, even more, the libs. If he's annoying the libs, he must be right. All right, without further ado, I'm going to bring on my distinguished guest today to do Oh, What a Week. Patrick J. Whalen is his name. No, that's not really his name. His name is Pat Whalen. Uh, and as you know, folks, on Fridays, uh, back in the good old days when Dr. D, uh, before he moved on to his um, very uh, – uh, his high paying career in podcasting. He would, we would, we had a lot of fun uh, doing Oh, what a week. I thought, you know, let's try bringing back Oh, what a week a little bit uh, with other people, see how it goes. So the first uh, guinea pig, I mean, uh, guest is Pat Whalen uh, and uh, comedian extraordinaire uh, Pat Whalen. So uh, welcome to Oh, what a week, Pat. Well, thank you so much, Ben. Coming to you live from Palos Hills. Uh, is it, it heights it, or it, hills? It's heights. I had, I had to Google it too because there's, you know, <laughs> Oh, what a week indeed. You know, there's just so, so very much happening. All right. Well, well, I think I'm, I'm going to change the J to Heights. Okay. <laughs> Patrick Heights Whalen. Yeah. I like uh, extraordinaire too. I'm going to keep that. So that's the height of the show today. <laughs> um, so before uh, we get into some of the issues of the week, uh, I just, um, oh God, there's so many things to talk about on the local and national level. Why don't you do a little promotion? Uh, you have a show tonight, uh, Friday night. That is, uh, I think a lot of our listeners might be interested. So take it away. Yes, sir. Uh, always a pleasure to be with Ben Jarofsky, whose scraps I've been picking up for years. And much in the same vein, I'm going to be playing catch up uh, by having on a guest you've already had on multiple times. I'm interviewing mayoral candidate Brandon Johnson at the Den Theater in Wicker Park tonight. Uh, we'll also have musical guest VV Lightbody. She's a fantastic musician. 
And uh, comedic guest Skylar Higley, um, writer for The Onion, formerly for uh, Conan O'Brien, don't you know? So it's an excellent lineup. Obviously, lots to talk about. I don't know if you heard, Ben. Uh, looks like Brandon Johnson dropped his transit plan, uh, I think, just today. And uh, he says he wants to return Lakeshore Drive to the people. So I want to cut. I want, I want a little piece <laughs> of asphalt that I can frame in my home. Um, so the, obviously, like you said, no shortage of things to talk about. But 7 o'clock tonight at the Den Theater, if you'd be so kind as to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Best Evening Ever, uh, the show is called Good Evening with Pat Whalen. But how good an evening is it, Ben? It's the best evening ever. So follow us at Best Evening Ever. And we'll see okay. you at 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a variety show. So it's not yeah, it's, just... It's, it's like The Tonight Show, except it's funny. That's what I tell people. <laughs> And I'm 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 a Jack Parr Johnny Carson guy. I don't I'm not I'm not in the Fallon school. So yeah, we, hey, we do comedy. All right, hold on. Let's. That, wow, I you're too young to know who Jack Parr uh, is. Uh, probably. So what's the distinction in your mind between uh, Johnny Carson and Jimmy Fallon? Uh, Johnny Carson was someone who paid very close attention to the news. He read the paper every morning. He was interested in talking about uh, topics that were happening. It was a very timely show. And Jimmy Fallon sells people NFTs with Paris Hilton. So th there's a huge gap between those two styles uh, of The Tonight Show for me. Uh, R.I.P. The, the Real Tonight Show. Because, I mean, yeah, great stuff. Great stuff, Jimmy. Very good. Very good. Wait, who is that an imitation of? That was Carson. What? Oh, that was Carson? Are you kidding me? No, here's the here. Isn't that? I, I did not know that. Uh, <laughs> I did not know that. Sounds like uh, my ex-wife. Yeah, I'm an obsessive Johnny Carson follower. All right, uh, we'll start with a little local conversation. Uh, you heard me going on about uh, Paul Vallis. Uh, I don't think the issue of where he, I think. Let me put it this way. It's a very important issue. I don't want to uh, be uh, so cynical and jaded like a typical Chicago reporter, which I am. Uh, I think it's a very important issue. There are rules and regulations that require uh, a candidate running for mayor of the city of Chicago to have his official residence be in the city of Chicago. Uh, I'm merely pointing out that uh, the way the world works right now, uh, Paul Vallis' supporters don't care about that. They don't care if he lives in Alaska. They don't care if he lives in Alabama. They love him, and they're going to vote for him. Uh, everybody else probably is struggling with the concept of Paul Vallis as, uh, as mayor of Chicago because of his ties to MAGA. Uh, so this would just, this would be a reason they wouldn't necessarily need uh, not uh, to vote for him. He followed, I just said, as convoluted as it was. Uh, so what's your general thoughts about uh, Paul Vallis' residence gate? Uh, I mean, um, you know, it, it's a good point you make, but I, I will say that, you know, Paul, Halo's Paul, as they're saying on Twitter these days, um, you know, it's he, he, he's been in the apartment in Bridgeport. It was a great story last night in Chicago night, too. I've been staying up till 10. I don't know if I'm in the minority on that, but I, I'm staying up for Chicago tonight. I'm a diehard. And in the report they gave with Paris, you know, they talked to Joe Ferguson, who, of course, you remember, former OIG. Uh, and he said, you know, when these things are legis or, uh, you know, investigated, you know, by Board of Elections, which that's the other thing, you know, the legislative date has passed. So no other campaigns can sue each other about these types of things. And the Board of Election can't weigh in. But it comes down to, like, does the guy sleep there? You know, does he have his yearbooks there? You know, and, and so this idea of does he live there? Is he from there? It's kind of nebulous. And I don't think it's going to hold a lot of weight. Like you're saying, you know, people have kind of made up their minds on that. Two other things about it, I would say, though, I think undecided in, in the last poll or the second to last poll is so many damn polls. And like, are they polls? <laughs> I don't even like their surveys. I don't know. Uh, but it was like 18 between 11 and 18 percent of the city was undecided that they talked to. And so that's a big chunk. And today. Uh, so two days ago, he picked up Tom Tunney's endorsement, which is nothing to sneeze at, considering he was considering a run himself, according to some. And he also picked up the LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce's endorsement. I believe that was just today. So, you know, you have who else do you remember, Ben, anyone who got 
John Catanzara's endorsement and the LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce's endorsement? I mean, that's quite a combination. No, although it's a Chamber of Commerce. And um, wow, I could riff on this. But that it is a contrast. Just uh, if you just think of John Catanzara uh, as the head of the Fraternal Order of Police, a man uh, who loves wearing Donald Trump T-shirts. I'm making this up, ladies and gentlemen. He wears T-shirts uh, with Donald Trump's image on it. So I love the president, whatever they say. Uh, so he is MAGA to the core. Uh, and you would not think the LGBTQ uh, Chamber of Commerce would be MAGA to the core. Uh, on the other hand, they are the Chamber of Commerce, or they are a Chamber of Commerce. Uh, and so the way Paul Vallis is projecting himself uh, in this campaign uh, is that uh, he is the man of experience who can get things done, who's anti-teachers union, uh, and uh, pro-business and will somehow magically expand police and cut taxes at the same time uh, and distribute money to businesses uh, for economic development. So if you're a chamber of commerce, commerce type, I don't care, LGBTQT, whatever. I don't care what. It's like, whoa, tax breaks, more cops, Hate the teachers union? Sounds good to me. Yep. Uh, so I'm not surprised when you put the Chamber of Commerce on there. You follow what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, now the issue is, can he successfully navigate himself away from his um, what his connections or ties to the far right uh, anti-trans communities like Awake Illinois? He spoke at Awake Illinois over the summer. And then when Kelly Garcia, the, uh, uh, for the reader, broke the story, uh, he and then the other newspapers followed up. He backed away from that. Oh, I never heard. I never heard of this. I didn't realize they were like this. I don't have these feelings at all. Uh, he has been said he in the past, he's anti-abortion. He identifies himself as a Republican. And now, you know, he's running in Chicago, very Democratic city. He's saying, oh, no, no, don't worry about what I said, what I did. Just. Here's where I am now. Going to touch your taxes. Going to hire more police. Going to hate on the Chicago Teachers Union. Going to privatize public schools. And that's like the Chamber of Commerce goes, sounds good to me. I'll just overlook all the other stuff. Because <laughs> all that matters is my taxes. Yeah, so, all Chambers of Commerce are interested in the color green, right? doesn't matter if they're LGBTQ or not. Yeah. The color green. So I'm not. I'm. Uh, I'm not surprised. Interesting though about Tom Tunney. I'm just going to say this about Tom. I'm just put. I was going to think of putting this in print. Tom Tunney, of course, is the alderman of the 44th ward. Or uh, is he? Did he officially step down? I can't remember. He could have been one of those guys who stepped down and did the quick handoff. I actually cannot remember. There's been so many. Uh, he may be riding out. His I don't know. He hasn't yet. He hasn't yet. He has okay. endorsed his chief of staff as his candidate, though. Yes. Very good point. He didn't officially step down. <laughs> Okay, he's one up on Michelle Smith on the 43rd Ward of Michael Scott. <laughs> what a city. I can't help it. The head of the Ethics Committee in the Chicago City Council, the chair of the Ethics Committee, stepped down early and then endorsed her successor, who got appointed by Mayor Lori Lightfoot and is now running as the incumbent. And she's the head of the Ethics Committee. I don't know, Pat. Doesn't... I know I'm from Evanston and everything, so maybe I'm my standards are too high when it comes to what's ethical. But that doesn't well, sound that maybe Vallis will pull your your vote too. You know, there's there is nothing quite like quite, quite more Chicago than saying you're from Chicago when you're not from Chicago, right? I mean, that's a very, a very universal. It's a big voting block. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then they would be letting people in Algonquin vote. I just I don't know why I thought about Algonquin. There's a sub i don't even know if it's a suburb technically uh, algonquin let's way up north look it up people yeah uh then they'll let people from arlington heights vote in in chicago you're right you go to college where are you from uh i am from chicago what high school did you go to um well <laughs> i went to Detroit. <laughs> wait a minute that's not chicago Anyway, yeah, so Paul Vallis will pick up the people who uh, fib about you. But anyway, back to Tom Tunney. So he's the alderman of the 44th Ward. Uh, he runs Ann Sather's restaurant. Uh, he was an ally of Lori Lightfoot. She made him the zoning chair, which is one of the prime uh, chairs you can have. It's a lot of power in the city of Chicago. You get to 
chair those meetings, use the gavel. Pretty much everything. Why he give those meetings up? God, they're so exciting. And yeah, the gavel alone. Get to pound that gavel, all right? I know, Pat, you love to pound that gavel. And um, so that's a prestigious position. And now he turned on her. He's endorsing Vallas. I'm like, man, I, I have my issues with Lori Lightfoot, to put it mildly, but I'm a lefty. Tom Tunney is at best a centrist, more likely sort of a Mitt Romney Democrat. So what? what's his issue with Lori Lightfoot. She gave him the zoning chair. Help me out, Pat. I need to know why he would turn on Lori Lightfoot. Go ahead. I'm still wrapping my head around Mitt Romney Democrat. Wow. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Um, I, I don't know, but I mean, Tom's not alone. I mean, you have chair of the budget committee, Pat Dowell, throwing her weight behind Brandon Johnson. And according to what I know, uh, no one who has replaced folks who stepped down on the council uh, is endorsing Mayor Lightfoot. I, I don't know if they've endorsed other people, but, um, you know, they're, 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 there's, they're, I've seen stories about how, like, you know, everyone who was allies with her before uh, is not now. I mean, it, it doesn't seem to shake her much, but, um, yeah, I just I don't know why Tom Tony would give up those zoning committee meetings. They're so fun. You sit there for like seven hours and people talk about zoning and, you know, legal cases. It's just, it just gets my blood pumping. You know what I mean? I don't know why he would give that up. It, in another lifetime, Pat Whalen worked for an alderman. This is another lifetime, long time ago. Uh, and he would go to zoning meetings or he would watch them and he would text me. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still watching all the committees when I can, when I can. And then he would do imitations, which he won't do. Now he, <laughs> he would do imitations of various aldermen, uh, including Nick Spazzato. But he, I'm not doing it, Ben. Don't ask. Whoa. Uh-oh. That's that uh -oh. growl, growly yeah, dog. That's my lawyer saying no imitations. Yeah, so I don't uh, understand, Tom Tunney. No, there's no loyalty in the city of Chicago anymore. There's uh, there's no reason Tom Tunney should have abandoned Lori Lightfoot. Uh, I, other than I guess he just senses that Paul Vallis is, is going to be our next mayor. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. He's a business owner too. You know, so what, what you were saying before about, you know, if these business owners are, are supportive of Vallis's policies and Tom Tony's not an alderman anymore pretty soon. So he, I guess he's just uh, Mr. Mr. Sather. Mr. Sather and Sather. All right. Let's uh, I mentioned Mitt Romney. Uh, let's, let, let's let me do a little uh, national news. Uh, so this week there was the state of the union address by Joe Biden uh, on Tuesday. And that was seems like a forever ago. Uh, I'll be taking a deep dive with David Ferris about that in a little while to drop it over the weekend. Uh, but, uh, in the, uh, I think it was after the speech, uh, when, uh, all the politicians are getting up from the chair, walking out of the chambers and shaking hands and talking and patting each other on my back. I love watching, literally love watching this. I know that sounds weird, Pat. Not to me, like... buddy. <laughs> I watch zoning committee meetings. <laughs> but you ever watch, you know what I'm saying? It's like, who's talking to who? And look at them patting oh, yeah. on the back. And they oh, also yeah. they hate each other, but they're hugging. Uh, with Mitt Romney, uh, who is more or less the conscience of the, De of the Republican Party these days. Wow, that's interesting thought. Uh, <laughs> confronted George Santos, who is the um, the congressman uh, from New York, recently elected congressman, who has literally lied about everything. Well, take literally out of say He lied about a lot of things. He lied about where he went to college. He lied about where he worked. He lied about who his parents were, who his mother was. He, he lied about his religion. He, I mean, the, the dude, like anything he says is pretty much a lie. And uh, He's a key supporter for Kevin McCarthy, so the Republicans don't want to kick him out because McCarthy needs every vote he has. Uh, so they're just letting him uh, stay there. Uh, and Mitt Romney was seen saying something to him. And you could tell it was like a terse exchange. Romney wouldn't look him in the eye. Uh, and then uh, George Santos was kind of responding back as Romney walked away with his hand up, like talk to the hand. Didn't literally do that, but it was kind of what he was doing. Uh, uh, and then uh, in the aftermath, they both took shots at uh, he, each other. Um, Pat Whaley, what do you make of all this? George Santos' position in the Republican Party uh, and uh, the fact that 
Romney goes after him. I think it's sort of a national variation of what I was talking about with uh, Paul Vallis. It doesn't matter uh, to their supporters because, again, everything's out the window. Go. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, first of all, it is exciting. I mean, what was more exciting that that week that, um, you know, Kevin McCarthy was stuck in a, a, a play by Bertolt Brecht. That's a theatrical reference. But, you know, C-SPAN had the run of the place and they could have cameras pointing at wherever they wanted because the Republicans hadn't set rules that they couldn't yet. And that was just the tip of the iceberg for me. I mean, that was a really exciting week where you could see people breaking off and having conversations like so that whole palace intrigue stuff before the speech. That's that's Waylon Catnip as much as Jarofsky Catnip. Um, yeah, uh, George Santos, uh, first Long Islander to set foot on Mars, as you know. Um, you know, he's a very interesting guy. And I, I mean, this exchange with Romney, for me, kind of underscores what I've been saying about Santos the whole time, which is the Republican Party has been presented on a platter, the biggest opportunity on the heels of a Donald Trump presidency ever this is their chance to say everyone thinks we support liars and people who play games with the truth well we don't this guy is the pits but literally because they can't give up the vote because the loose power they're stuck in this like it's hilarious it's like a twilight zone episode um and i think romney feels that i think romney is like one of the ones you know outside of mccarthy who apparently feels nothing I, from what i understand i think he has a nervous system removed um, and Romney is the one, you know, we all think of that picture of him sitting next to Trump at dinner that time with that painful smile on his face. You know, this guy's been, been eating crap about it for a long time. And so I think he sees this young punk who's playing fast and loose. And he says, you know what, you're the problem. We, we'd be so much better off without you. And, you know, I saw some lip reading of it, Ben, you know, they had like actual lip readers who looked at the exchange and uh, I think Romney just said to him like six times rapid fire, you should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed, son. And uh, when reporters asked him about it, he said, yeah, I mean, I thought he'd be there, but I didn't think he'd be hanging out by the entrance to try to shake hands with the president of the United States. You know, you should have a little bit of like shame. Where is your shame? I think was was his um, his angle, which, of course, is a very Mormon thing to ask. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, I I didn't know about the lip uh, readers. Uh, that's that's a good contribution. Did not know that. I was trying to lip read myself. I obsessively watched that over and over again because I did a we had an Instagram bit that uh, uh, the on the Ben Jarowski show bit where we like put words <laughs> we put other words into uh, George Santos' mouth. Uh, and um, so I had some fun with those. I, I did I I uh, did not get the uh, he should be embarrassed. Um, but of course he's not. Uh, and just to clarify, if Kevin McCarthy were, uh, to lead, um, a movement against George Santos to strip him of his seat in Congress, he, Kevin McCarthy would still have a majority because he does not literally have a one seat majority. I didn't want people to think I sort of suggested that, uh, but it would be even a a slimmer majority than he has now. And um, I don't think he wants to be in the danger zone. I think it would be a three person uh, difference. And that, that means of course, um, God forbid someone gets hurt, someone gets sick, someone dies and the Republican side. Of the thing. <laughs> someone came down the stairs, goes in for surgery, you know? Yeah. So uh, they'll just keep them there and just pretend like, I think the last McCarthy said, we're looking into it. There, you know, this pending a lot of it. We're anyway, looking into it. Okay. All uh, right. th this other story uh, broke today in the Washington Post, uh, and uh, it's kind of some parallels. Uh, Anna Polina Luna is her name. Uh, it's the first time her name has been mentioned on the Ben Jarofsky show, and she's a congresswoman from Florida, conservative Trumper MAGA. Uh, and according to the Washington Post, she too uh, has. Um, how do I put this? Evolve who she is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's evolving. Yeah, it's evolving. Uh, I don't know if you had time to to read the article. I, said, I know I sent it to you. It's a long article. Um, I, I just saw some highlights on Twitter, and oh man, I mean, this makes George Santos look like Mitt Romney. So what were the highlights? Because yeah, the highlights came out. That's how fast the story is developing. What were the highlights in Twitter? Just read them to me if you. Yeah, in what you said, uh, she said, you know, as you well, you were explaining to me before we went on the air that uh, her father's passed away, and 
a lot of these, uh, you know, evolutions uh, that she's making have to do uh, with her father. And so she's she's implied, I think, that that he was uh, Jewish, uh, specifically Ashkenazi, that that, that is her heritage, um, while others are saying that her grandfather served in the Nazi army in Germany. Uh, I mean, that was the, the one I saw where I was like, wow, I need to go beyond the paywall. I need to hit someone up with a WAPO subscription because this is this is deep. And I mean, these are serious congressional reporters, you know what I mean? And it just goes to show you how wild everything is right now with McCarthy and Santos, like you've been saying, that like no one's even scratched the surface on this yet. But you say it's a long article. I mean, what else is in there? Oh, well, OK, so I uh, I, I have a Washington Post subscription and I am a Washington Post junkie. Uh, since I got that subscription, I am to the Washington Post, what you are to Sunday talk shows, which we'll get into. Uh, and uh, so I, I read the article uh, and the details that you just uh, presented have emerged after the original article uh, ran. Uh, so this is this is a story that at the moment is a little different uh, than Santos. So Santos is a compulsive liar. And. I mean, I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to what he's doing. He just lies all the time. Uh, now, there could be a reason, a, a, a fraudulent reason, like he's raising money uh, and he's using these lies to sucker people into uh, contributing money to him. I, I don't know what's motivating him. He's just a compulsive liar. Uh, and um, whereas uh, Luna, at least based on the article that I read, and it's a breaking, developing story, so it could I, we could be saying different things next week but it seems like pat she's more in the category of an embellisher uh okay. and so there's i would say a difference between a liar and an embellisher um an embellisher the foundation has some truth to it okay okay so uh so for instance uh an embell i'll give you so patrick whalen is from buffalo and so that's the truth Okay. Yeah. Now, if Patrick Whalen were to say, uh, I played left tackle for the Buffalo Bills, that would be, well, it'd be a lie. Briefly. Briefly. <laughs> I have all. <laughs> but it's an attempt to take a background that maybe she doesn't think she wants will help her politically, or maybe she just doesn't like the background and change it. So she was a Democrat. She became a Republican. Uh, oh, lovely. she, uh, did not really emphasize, uh, her Hispanic or, uh, ethnicity. Now she does because that helps her, uh, win over MAGA support by becoming sort of Hispanic representation of MAGA. So you can go far if you're, well, you can really go far if you're a black person and you embrace MAGA. MAGA will put you at the, they will nominate you for Senate like they did uh, for Herschel Walker. But being a Hispanic woman uh, at MAGA is pretty valuable. So in order to make people understand why it is that or how it is that she came to this point in her life politically, she had to sort of embellish the background and make herself seem uh, downtrodden and impoverished, uh, which she really laid heavy on that. Uh, in order to say, like, Democratic programs don't work for people like me. I need old-fashioned, what, Republican, I don't even know what, embracing capitalism. Uh, well, that's the party that accepts embellishers, you know, so go for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go for it indeed. Um, you know, Ilan Omar got removed from uh, that committee last week for anti-Semitism, right? I mean, what is this? Are they going to say anything about it? It's going to be like Santos. They're going to let it slide. Because it works for them. Yeah. Washington. Well, they can't knock her out and Santos. Because then, then they're down to two, I think. You know, it's, you got, uh, and um, so anyway, yeah. So I kind of think of it uh, like an embellisher. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to make an analogy that uh, probably gave me into trouble a lot of people. It's like Bob Dylan. You know, he didn't like being Robert Zimmerman from Minnesota, so it became Bob Dylan. You know what I mean? Hey, who can hate on him? He's been Bob Dylan since like 1960 or whatever. You know, he's kind of stood the test of time as Bob Dylan. He writes great songs. I don't know. <laughs> I know you buy my analogy, or you think I'm being too kind to Congresswoman Luna? Well, I mean, I think it is like you know, it's a good explainer, um, but the the severity, you know. 
I mean, Bob Dylan went electric and everybody lost their minds, right? Because it, it was going to have a huge impact on the industry. This person works in the Capitol, you know, she's an elected representative. I mean, this is terrifying. Apart from the fact that it, she kind of dresses like a Harry Potter character in all these um, pictures that I'm seeing online. But like, these are very, I mean, what we're looking at here is we're just looking at liars. We're looking at lying liars and the, and the liars who tell them. And at some point, people are just going to have to recognize that, that the Republican Party is the only one who won't expel these people when it comes to light because it's great press. Um, but is, are these people going to go back to their districts? Like, you know, Santos can't even go home. You know, I wonder what the, you know, the, the tone and tenor of uh, her constituency in Florida will be like when they get off the plane is going to be like you were saying with the ballot voters, where they say, Hey, I don't care. As long as she's moving the ball forward for me in Congress, it's, it's all, it's all fine. Um, this literally came out today, but man, I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah, I, uh, I do. I, in terms of Luna, I don't think it matters at all. Uh, MAGA voters in Florida are going to embrace her no matter what she does, as long as she stays true to MAGA. Uh, in terms of Santos, uh, that's a tricky question. Uh, he comes from a sort of a swing district in New York uh, that should be Democrat, but would have been Democrat if the Democrats in New York weren't so incompetent when it came to redistricting. Uh, and they essentially – Kevin McCarthy should just give them like a bouquet of roses because they, the New York Dems are the reason why he's a speaker right now. So that's a trickier issue. I don't know if George Santos can win re-election uh, in um, New York. I guarantee you this, though. If he is the Republican nominee, every MAGA person in that district will vote for him. They don't care about the lying at all. They will vote for him. The issue is – Kenny, what I call mini MAGA, which is our swing voters. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, well, I, for him. go ahead. No, I mean, if he can't win, he'll just buy a new pair of glasses and become, you know, Sorge Jantos. You know what I mean? And they'll, they'll vote for him. He'll, he'll dye his hair or grow a mustache or something, you know, and then they'll vote for that guy. But wait a minute. Uh. Speaking of embellishers, uh, you sent me, we'll go local here. You sent me, uh, Mr. Twitter there. Uh, you, you sent me a, t uh, a tweet that said Alderman uh, Jim Gardner. And it was a picture of one of his re-election flyer. Yeah. Uh, a picture of him and his family, his wife, a kid uh, in the background. Uh, and he's a controversial figure in the 45th Ward. We haven't talked that much about Jim Gardner. He was a former firefighter uh, before he was elected alderman. Beat John Arena. In the last election, John Arena was a guest on the show earlier this week. I urge everyone to check out that interview. Uh, and uh, very combative, to put it mildly. Uh, and has said some really nasty things uh, about uh, Joanna Klonsky, a good friend of this show. Hasn't been on in a while, uh, but uh, she's a good friend of the show. And uh, in this flyer, it says, Chicago public school teacher, 15 years <laughs> Chicago firefighter EMI 14 years. I that is impossible. I don't I don't even know he was a Chicago public school teacher, but he definitely couldn't have been a public school teacher for 15 years and a firefighter for 14 years. It's just not enough years. <laughs> not enough not that old. No, he was just a firefighter at night. See, he's a teacher in the day and then he'd fight fires at night. No, I yeah, I think that the the record and like, you know, I'm I am not a reporter, Ben, but like according to my understanding, it was he. I believe he taught uh, phys ed in CPS, and that is a real thing that he did. But my understanding was that he only did that for like two years. So 15 is just, you know, that's that's embellished, right? That is evolved, first of all. Second of all, you know, very much a, you know, law and order candidate, very much on, on the, the right side of aldermanism. And like, and he's aligning himself with, CP like I'm a CPS teacher like I thought we didn't like CPS teacher I don't understand so I don't know how true it is a eh? and I also don't understand like the political calculus of of that of that mailer that's gone out in the 45th ward um, but he had he had some zingers at their uh, their candidate forum it was hosted by Justin Kaufman I think it was earlier this week so oh what a week um, and they asked at the end you know they said if you weren't running which one of your uh, fellow candidates would you endorse i think there's like five of them and jim gardner basically said something to the effect of well i wouldn't want to pick any of these four because the other three would sue me for not endorsing them 
you know, because he's in many legal troubles yeah. and, you know, investigated at the federal level uh, currently for for goings on in his office. So like it, it is very exciting, which again, you know, we're 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 a little nerdy, but like, you know, even even for the armchair listener, that that's gotta that's gotta be a little interesting, right? Uh, yeah, no, uh so um I would raise this distinction. Uh so first of all, 45th Ward, northwest side of Chicago, probably a lot of school teachers that live there. A lot of mm-hmm. firefighters live there, a lot mm-hmm. of police officers live there. Mm-hmm. Uh in some cases firefighters married to to teachers or police officers marries to teachers or vice versa et cetera, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so there's a distinction uh, and the great Chicago philosopher, uh, Proko Joe Moreno was the first uh, person I heard actually articulate this. Proko Joe Moreno, uh, first former first ward alderman, a uh, lover of 1990s uh, rock and roll music, trying to get reelected. Uh, on the Nirvana ticket. Uh, anyway, um, so he went on Fox during the teacher strike of 2012. I think it was 2012, and said he loves teachers, but doesn't like the Chicago Teachers Union, mm. which is kind of an interesting contrast because Chicago Teachers Union is, of course, for is an organization of Chicago teachers. Uh, now there are. Um, that's a distinction that Paul Vallis would probably make as well right now. And uh, so effectively, Gardner is making that distinction in his flyer by saying, I am a teacher. Or, I was a teacher for 14 years, even though it was probably two years at best. Uh, but I don't like, well, I don't know. He doesn't say he doesn't like the teachers union, but. No, but he doesn't say he was a member of CTU for 15 years. Yes, that's true. Did not say he was a member of Chicago teacher and a proud dues-paying member of the Chicago Teachers Union. Uh, no, he doesn't say that. But that's the distinction that people usually draw. They love teachers, uh, but they don't like their union. Uh, and uh, I, you know what? They've never liked the union. I just got to tell you, folks, you think this is new? This not liking the teachers union is new since they became radical and got directly involved in politics? People didn't like the union in the 90s. They didn't like the union in the 80s. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I remember all, there were a lot more teacher strikes in the 80s and the 90s. And every time the teachers went on strike, obviously parents would be upset. You know, they, they, want to, they, they don't want to be at home with their kids. They want the kids to be in school learning. Uh, and so they didn't like the unions then. And the unions back then were, um, oh my good, much politically tamer than uh this current uh chicago teachers and didn't get involved in politics directly didn't articulate issues outside of the classroom and they still weren't liked so i think there's just just like a consistent not liking teachers union pat that's at play here that's fine but you know one of us has to do it and i guess i'll break out the old chestnut of um you know does he like cops but hate the FOP? You know, it's it's this duality of of Chicago that everyone always goes back to, of yeah. the political spectrum of the CTU versus FOP. I don't yeah. know. Uh, all right, and uh, so we're going to close a little conversation about uh, what to expect at your Sunday talk shows. Uh, Pat Whalen obsessively he's one of those guys who obsessively watches sunday talk shows he could do the whole lineup from start to finish usually i'm not up early enough to see any of the sunday talk shows uh so occasionally i'll get a text updating me on what like if a chicagoan was on the uh the sunday talk show so what's uh your expectation of the conversation on sunday uh i think there's going to be a lot of state of the union stuff but yes that that's uh I, I call it going to church, Ben, as you know, you know, it, it's the Holy Trinity of meet the press face the nation. And this week with George Stephanopoulos, all I know is what Andrea Mitchell, Mitchell tells me. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of state of the union uh, talk. And I just think that's going to turn into talk about Joe Biden. I don't know if you saw his follow-up interview with Judy Woodruff on news hour, but man, this he 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 was like he was a younger man in that interview i mean he is riding high he is in full delaware effect this is amtrak joe biden this is delaware joe biden this is obama joe biden like this he's got the juice you could see it um she literally like brought up i think uh chip roy or something and he started laughing he was just like laughing 
it, he, he he is riding high. And all that's to say, like I'm saying that and harping on it because there is no there there with McCarthy. You know, you you can't even even during the speech, he's like, okay, so where do you guys stand on the debt ceiling? What do you want to cut? And people who like Mike Lee, who literally have been walking around saying we're going to kill Social Security, strangle it in its crib. He's like, what do you mean? We, we never said that. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, and, and so because there is no like meat and potatoes to the Republican side, they haven't taken a position on any, anything except now. Then that forces journalists to talk about Joe Biden and his performance and his congressional initiatives, which, again, like he's putting points on the board. No one can argue that. And I'll be the first to admit it. Because I was the one who's going to say he's not going to get the infrastructure deal done. I've been proven wrong at every turn. This guy is very presidential. I think we've forgotten what that looks like, you know, and, and he showed us on Tuesday that it's all there. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of that. However, I do hope that they get to uh, my boy Elon, as you know, Ben, because I am such a big fan of of, of the Twitterverse. Uh, and, and I hope that Chuck Todd brings up that in an all hands meeting with top engineers at uh, Twitter, when Elon asked uh, his engineers, why am I not getting more engagements? This poor soul of an engineer who loves data got the strength to stand up and say, well, sir, if you look at this data sheet from Google, people a year and a half ago were searching you a hundred times a day. And now you're only being searched nine times a day. And Elon said, that's very interesting. You're fired. Uh, and that guy was fired on the spot for telling him people don't like you as much as they used to. I don't know if that'll make the cut uh, for George. Um, that's certainly not a, a face the nation material, unfortunately, but maybe, maybe meet the press will hit it. So, you know, I'll, I'll see you in church on Sunday, Ben. I, I, I'm so glad you uh, remember to bring that up. I, I can't say this enough. The whole Elon Musk, Ron DeSantis, Republican Party uh, mission regarding free speech is such a fraud. I mean, it's it is so blatantly and obviously fraudulent, uh, and they have gotten so much mileage out of it. And it, Elon, this is not by any means the first time Elon Musk uh, has attempted to what bully his employees into submission at the same time using his uh, Twitter feed to champion free speech. He can't even accept like legitimate, like, is that even criticism? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, exactly. It's not like someone's opinion. It's like, these are the numbers, sir. And he's yeah. like, well, I don't like them. And so yeah. I don't like you. Yeah, you're fired. I mean, you need information. Supposedly, if you're a, a, a CEO, you need information to shape and inform your decisions that will chart the future. You'll use to chart the future of your company you're running. Okay? No, that's, no. You're, you're way off on that, Ben. All you need is is a leadership and a board that fears you. That's all yeah. you need. Yes, men and women. That's right. Yeah, boss. I don't know. There's something wrong. You know what? They there's something wrong there's something wrong because you're not doing anything wrong you're perfect i don't know what how much of a veep fan you are but one of my favorite lines in veep with kent davidson is uh veep says to kent davidson he goes you're not becoming a yes man are you and he says yes i am not doing that <laughs> that's very funny i have a confession to make i've never seen veep what ben you would love it i probably would but i've never seen it. in fact when you first started talking i thought you said beep I thought you said, Ben, you're not a Beep fan. I'm like, what is Beep? And uh, <laughs> You thought I was going to swear. You thought I was going to say a George Santos word. Yeah, a George Santos word. Uh, but then uh, you said it again. Like, oh, Veep. I know that. Yeah, it's a show that I've never seen once, but probably would like. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, Elon Musk, uh, a classic uh, do as I say, not as I do moment. And let me just, folks, let me just tell you in many ways, I'll close it with Alice again. Uh, I was around to watch Vallis uh, in action in the 90s when he was running the Board of Education for uh, Mayor Daley. Uh, before that, he was revenue director for Mayor Daley. And uh, he's kind of in the Elon Musk. Don't give me any bad news school. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's really? kind of. Oh, yeah. Because oh, he my. presents himself as such a wonk, such a data driven, you know, it's all math kind of guy. Well, doesn't Elon Musk present himself in the same way? I don't know. I mean, the more the more I watch him, the more I go. I think this guy goes down a few too many YouTube rabbit holes. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I'm trying to think if there's anybody in the history of Chicago politics, any mayor, 
since uh, the great Harold Washington died, who hasn't been uh, a yes mayor, who has been, I can't think of, definitely everybody was so petrified of saying uh, anything to uh, Richard Daly that might upset him because he had a notorious temper. And he would like, have these meetings where stories about it. he would yell at his aides, get all red in the face. Uh, and uh, that was his reputation. And he, of course, like do things like go to a, I mentioned this the other day, go to China or whatever, come back. And we need a, a train like they have in China uh, that goes underground uh, to O'Hare, direct connection to O'Hare. And then everybody was too afraid to tell him we already have one. It's called the Blue Line. <laughs> And so you know, that's kind of like the fear they let. Of course, Rom, everybody's scared of Rom. Uh, you know, he had that reputation. And then Lori Lightfoot, more the same. So I guess uh, there's a little Elon Musk in us all, uh, or at least in all mayors of Chicago. Pat, one more time, promote your show uh, if folks want to go there tonight. Go yes, ahead. sir. Uh, good evening with Pat Whalen. It's the best evening ever. And that's how you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at best evening ever seven o'clock tonight at the den theater on Milwaukee in Chicago, uh, in Wicker park specifically seven o'clock VV light body musical guest, Skylar Higley comedic guest, and an interview with mayoral candidate, Brandon Johnson. Uh, it's going to be a good evening, but how good Ben? It's going to be the best evening ever. The best ever. I like that. All right. Uh, good luck, Pat. I know you have to uh, rest up, uh, get your vocal cords ready. You may do a little singing tonight. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, get some rest and have a great show. And thanks for being on my show. Okay. Always a pleasure, Ben. You keep up the good work, my man. Thank you, sir. That's Patrick J. Whalen. Thank you very much. Uh, and also want to thank uh, Chris, producer Chris. Outstanding job as always. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can catch previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com. And also find Benny J all over the internet on your favorite podcasting platforms.